Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Warning. This podcast contains descriptions of murder, torture, and abuse. As a result, it may not be suitable for everybody. Abitillery, Wales, meaning the River Tillery, mouth of, is a town and community of Eberfach Valley in the historic county of Monmouthshire, Wales. The surrounding landscape borders the Brecon Beacons National Park and the Bledon Avant World Heritage Site. Formerly a coal mining town centre from Abitillery area, was formed in the 1990s using EU and other funding to return to a greener environment. Situated on the A467, the town is 15 miles north of the M4 and 5 miles south of the A465 Heads of the Valley Trunk Road. It's about 25 miles by road from Cardiff and 47 miles from Bristol. Listen to the hometown murder cases of Harrod Jones, a child murderer who committed the murder of two prepudescent girls in Monmouthshire, Wales in 1921 when he was 15. Harold Jones was a child murderer who committed the murder of two girls when he was just 15. Jones was acquitted of the murder of the first victim, eight-year-old Frieda Burnell at Monmouthshire of Zizes on the 21st of June 1921. Just 17 days later, he murdered an 11-year-old neighbour named Florence Little. Jones pleaded guilty to Little's murder and also confessed to having murdered Frieda Burnell at his second trial. Owen, to being 16 at the time when he committed the murders, Jones escaped capital punishment for his crimes, instead being sentenced to be detained at his Majesty's pleasure on the 1st of November 1921. Jones was released from prison in 1941, later marrying and fathering a child. He died of bone cancer in 1971 at the age of 64. Harold Jones was born in the Welsh colliery town of Abertillery in January 1906, the eldest of four children born into a poor family. His father, Philip, worked as a coal miner and his mother was a housewife. Jones and his siblings attended a local council school where he was regarded as a popular and exemplary student showing a peculiar flair for sports and holding aspirations to become a professional boxer. He is also known to have spent much of his free time reading and to have occasionally played the organ at the local church services. Jones left school at 14 to obtain employment 
largely as a means to supplement his family's income. He found employment at a local oil and seed merchant named Mortimer Stores. Here he was known to be punctual and trustworthy employee who was both capable of managing the shop without help and with popular customers. On the afternoon of 5th of February 1921, an eight-year-old girl named Frida Elsie Burnell was reported missing by her parents. She was last seen by her father Fred at approximately nine o'clock that morning, having been sent on an errand from her home at Nine Earl Street to purchase a poultry, spice and grit from Mortimer stores in nearby Somerset Street to feed the family livestock with her father promising her a penny upon her return. When Burnell had not returned home after an hour, her frantic parents began making inquiries, including at the store Frieda had been sent to visit. The 15-year-old assistant at this store, Harold Jones, confirmed that Frieda's father and later police that Frieda had visited the store at approximately 9.05am and that he'd served her a bag of poultry spice, adding that she'd also asked for a bag of poultry grit, but he'd informed her the store had only loose poultry grit. The child claimed that he left the store, asked her father whether poultry grit would suffice and had not seen her since. By 3pm, the Burnell family had informed police Frieda was missing and an exhaustive search for the child was launched. The following morning, Burnell's body was found by a collier concealed in a sack in an alley just 300 yards from the store she had visited. Her cause of death was certified as being a combination of blunt trauma to her head and strangulation, evident via a cord still tied around her neck, with the time of death having been between 9.30am and 1pm on the date of her disappearance. In addition, Frieda had been gagged, her elbows had been bound behind her back and her ankles were knotted together. An attempt had also been made to rape the child. Traces of corn chaff was also found upon and around her body and inside the sack of which she had discovered. Investigators noted that a chicken run in the shed belonging to Harold John's employer, located just a few hundred yards from where her body had been discovered, had corn chaff extensively scattered upon the ground, and a handkerchief known to have been Frieda's possession at the time of her disappearance was also found on the ground in the shed. In addition, an axe handle determined to have been caused the blunt trauma to Frieda's head was discovered concealed beneath some sacking inside the shed. Aside from his employers, Jones was the only individual in possession of a key to the shed and investigators established a clear time frame of between 9.15 and 9.40am when no witnesses had physically seen him inside the store. A friend of Jones named Levi Mayrick also informed police Jones had actively dissuaded him and another youth named Frank Mortimer from accompanying him to the shed at approximately 10.20pm on the 5th of February. Another witness also informed police he had heard a female child scream emanating from the shed on the actual morning of Burnell's disappearance. When questioned as to these facts, Jones insisted he had not been in the shed on the day of Frieda's disappearance. Nevertheless, investigators were convinced otherwise and he was held in detention at Abertillery Police Station to wait the outcome of the coroner's inquest. 
The inquest into the death of Burnell was formally opened on 7th of March. Jones was one of many individuals called to testify at the inquest. He performed poorly on the stand, repeatedly giving conflicting testimony as to his actions on the day of the murder and being forced to admit to lying about various aspects of his testimony, on one occasion prompting the coroner to scold him and insist he tell the truth. Nevertheless, despite being little physical evidence linking Jones to the murder, investigators believed enough circumstantial evidence existed to formally charge him with the crime. In response to the formal charge, Jones cried, replied, quote, I know it looks black against me, but I never done it, end quote. He was remanded in custody until the 5th of April when he appeared before magistrates. On this date, a decision to try Jones for the willful murder of Frieda Burnell was reached. Bail was refused and he was detained at Us Prison to await trial. Jones was brought to trial for the murder of Burnell at Monmouthshire Assizes on the 21st of June. The prosecution alleged that he had murdered Burnell inside the shed belonging to his employer on the morning of 5th of February before placing her in a body sack and preventing the alley enclosed to the shed that evening. He pleaded not guilty to the charge, insisting that he last seen Frieda when he served her at approximately 9.05am before she left the store. Although Jones had contradicted himself on several occasions at the inquest, he remained calm and when called to testify in his own case to fire, also withstanding rigorous cross-examination. His employer Herbert Henry Mortimer provided him with an alibi, insisting he had heard Jones and his own son working in the store in the early morning on the 5th of February before two of them had been sent to deliver a sack of potatoes to a customer at approximately 10am, later returning to the store where they continued to work for the rest of the day. Furthermore, on the third day of the trial, Jones' own father challenged the prosecutor's contention his son had placed Frieda's body in the alley on the evening of his murder, insisting his son had not left the family home between the time he returned home from work and the following morning, and that he would likely have known so had he been the case. His testimony was collaborated by his wife, also who stressed her son had always exhibited good behaviour towards the young girls. Despite the evidence presented at the trial, clearly indicating that Frieda had most likely been killed in the shed belonging to Jones' employers and only Harold and the Mortifer family had access to the key. After deliberating over five hours, the jury found Jones not guilty of Frieda's murder, returning a unanimous verdict of murder by person or persons unknown. Jones walked free from the courtroom to a private and reportedly tearful reunion with his parents before being escorted to a local restaurant for a meal. At this service, Jones stood upon a table and addressed his numerous supporters with a speech which he stated, quote, I thank you all. I do not hold a grudge against the people of Abitillery for this horrendous ordeal I've been put through, end quote. He subsequently returned to Abitillery in Carabank adored with flags and bunting to cheers from the local public, most of whom found the notion that a 15-year-old boy could sexually assault and kill a child simply inconceivable. 
One of those to greet Jones upon his return was a neighbour named George Little, who greeted him with the statement, quote, Well done, lad. We knew you didn't do it, end quote. 17 days after Jones' acquittal of Bernal's murder on 8th of July, he observed a neighbour of his name, Florence Irene Little, playing hopscotch with his sister, Flossie, outside his home at 10 Duran Road. He lured Little into his house on the pretext of asking her to perform an errand for his family. Inside Jones' home, he was instantly partially strangled and dragged into the kitchen where she was beaten across the head and temple with a plank of wood before Jones suspended her head and neck over his sink and grabbed her by the hair and cut her throat with his father's penknife. He then wrapped Florence's head and neck in a grey army shirt before concealing her partially dressed body in the family attic. Having washed all the bloodstains he noted from the sink walls floor entrance hatch to the attic, Jones proceeded to bathe himself. Police noticed Florence's disappearance at 11.15pm and immediately conducted house-to-house searches. The simultaneous searches of nearby woods and mountains were assisted by hundreds of local volunteers, including Harrod Jones. Questions by police as to where he had seen Florence on the day of her disappearance, Jones repeated the same lie he had early recited to Miss Elissel when she called upon his house, asking to see her if he'd known his daughter's whereabouts. That she'd been at his front door, he then simply ran off. With Jones's father's consent, the local superintendent, Harry Henry Lewis, and a constable searched Jones' home at 8.30am the following day as Harold discreetly exited the family home. Noting the trapdoor to the attic was bloodstained despite evident attempts to clean it, the constable conducted a search, entered the attic where he discovered Little's body outstretched across the rafters. He also was discovered in the police search of Jones' home, where the bloodstained knife Jones had used to murder Florence, a small egg saucepan filled with a mixture of blood and water beneath the sink, where over which he cut the child's throat. A bloodstained plank of wood measuring 19 inches in length, concealed beneath the family boiler, and a bloodstained table close to the entrance to the attic in which Florence's body had been concealed. Informed of the discovery in the attic, Philip Jones left his property and performed a citizen's arrest on his son as he was conversed with a friend at nearby Meter Street. Jones then accompanied his father back to Darren Road, where he was placed under arrest. When news of Jones' arrest for the suspected murder of a second young girl reached the local public, an alright cloud, approximately 500 people gathered outside the local police station, demanding his immediate release. In response, Superintendent Lewis addressed the crowd stating, quote, I have found the body of the child in the attic for Harriet Jones, foully murdered, and I have arrested Harold Jones. I think this is all I can tell you. It would help us if you disperse and go home. On the 11th of July, an inquest into the death of the little was formally opened, again conducted by the deputy coroner for the district, the jury heard testimony of to this date that Little had bled to death from the wound to her throat. Also to testify at the inquest was Little's mother, Elsie, who stated that when she had knocked at Jones' residence on the date of her daughter's disappearance, it had taken Jones, the sole occupant of the house at the time, a full two minutes to answer the door with explanation he'd been bathing when she'd called. 
when he asked Jones whether he's seen his daughter, he had smiled before replying, Flora's been here, but went through the back. The inquest was adjourned until the 23rd of July, with the jury subsequently reaching a narrowest verdict of willful murder against Jones after just 30 minutes. When asked if he did anything to say in relation to the verdict, and is being committed to stand trial again at Monster Assizes for child murder. Jones, having taken copious notes at the court proceedings, repeatedly jumped to his feet and proclaimed his innocence. He again detained at US prison to wait trial. While awaiting trial, Jones formally confessed to the murder of Florence Litter via a written statement dated the 17th of September. In a statement, Jones described his motive for murder as being a desire to kill. The trial of Jones for the murder of Little began on Monmouth's exercises on the 1st of November 1921. He was tried before Mr Justice Bray with the prosecution contending this murder had been preliminary submitted due to Jones having enjoyed being, quote, a part of the public eye, end quote, due to the attention he had received following his arrest and acquittal of Burnell's murder weeks earlier, and that he had made evident attempts to conceal evidence of the crime within home at the murder. The trial lasted one hour. Jones was ordered to be detained at his magistrate's pleasure as he'd under 16 at the time of the conviction and he not subjected to any form of capital punishment. Shortly after Jones was escorted to prison to begin his sentence, a second written statement was read aloud at the court. This statement also penned prior to the trial read, quote, I, Harold Jones, willfully and deliberately murdered Frieda Burnell in Mortimer's shed on the 5th of February 1921. The reason for this act was a desire to kill. Jones serves 20 years of imprisonment against the recommendations of a psychologist. He was released from prison on parole on the 6th of November. 1941 at the age of 35 and subsequently joined the Merchant Navy. At the conclusion of the Second World War, Jones briefly resided in Newport, although by 1948 he was known to have located to Fulham, London using the alias Harry Stevens. He later married and fathered a child. Jones died of bone cancer on the 2nd of January 1971. At the time of his death, he employed as a night watchman and lived under the alias of Harry Jones, although before he died he told his wife the name Harold Jones should be written on his death certificate. Shortly after the murder of Little, his employer Herbert Mortimer closed his shop and relocated with his family from Abertorilly to an unknown location. Reportedly, this decision was made due to both a mixture of obfuscation from locals regarding the false testimony delivered at Jones' trial for the murder of Berner and his own guilt that this false testimony enabled Jones to subsequently remain at liberty and kill again. Both Burnell and Little were buried in Blythville Cemetery. Their graves fell into a state of disrepair over the decades, although a 2017 appeal initiated by a local author named Neil Milkins to restore their graves and headstones raised more than £4,000. He had been inspired to do so after speaking to relatives of both girls who was upset by the state of the disrepair of the graves. The girls' graves were subsequently restored in 2018.
Mindblown History is a new historical podcast. It's from the makers of Hometown Murders and Brief History Podcast. It's quick five minutes historical podcast only two episodes a week and you'll get your uh, interesting facts and figures about history listen now anywhere you listen to your podcasts thank you for listening to this episode this is a need media production we produce Hometown Murders, Mind Blown History and a Brief History Podcast. The episode is written and hosted by myself, Andrew Knight, and music, sound and editing is by Harry Edmondson. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.